deserve all the glory in our lives. We give you thanks. We praise you. We honor you today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just begin to pray right now. Father, the world is in a crazy place right now. And Lord, there's so many things going on, so many changes happening globally that uh, you know, can cause man's heart to tremble, cause man's heart to fail. But Lord, we have a hope in Jesus. We have a, we have a trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, today we gather to worship and lift up your name on high. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we're here gathered, we want to receive something from heaven into our spirits, into our lives, into our future. So Lord, we just pray today, we're ready, we are eager, we desire the power of God to move among us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you take your seats? Thanks, worship team. That was amazing. You've done a, a phenomenal job tonight. So the, so good to be in the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is here. And uh, so, uh, so good to spend that time in the presence of the Holy Spirit today. So just um, want to uh, enter into some, some deep teaching tonight. Who loves that? Uh, so it's going to, hopefully I don't bury myself in this, but last weekend Pauline and myself were at Lifehouse Church in Melbourne for a conference. It was quite amazing, great time we had uh, meeting new people, but also just being able to be refreshed and to uh, be ministered to uh, at that conference. So it was a, a great time. Um, the youth are away at Youth Alive conferences uh, this week, so they'll be back tomorrow, tonight. Right now, as we speak, Youth Alive, uh, their last uh, session is on right now, and they'll be having a great time. But uh, I believe that they'll be having a powerful experience. So the, th the thing I want us just to be aware of, church, is that um, last year, this time last year, Youth Alive conference, we had a full bus. About 35 youth went to Youth Alive. And uh, through that experience, I said, hey, we need to employ a youth pastor. We you know, uh, put a youth pastor on one day a week. And it was like then the youth group was slaughtered by the enemy. So from October to January, we practically lost 30 kids. And so this year, that they've, they've uh, had a battle. Um, our youth pastors, we, we, we need to honor them. And our youth leaders, who they've given up their, their annual leave to take um, you know, this year, two carfuls is, is what we have left. Um, and I know that something was unleashed last year against the destiny of our church to take away uh, a generation of young people. And we need, to, um, we need to stand against that. We have to stand against that. We have to believe that. And, and some of those things that is, is our responsibility is to get around our youth leaders. It's uh, uh, Pastor Josh, Pastor Claire. They're both um, uh, youth pastors in their own right. They've, they've done Bible college. Like, like Claire's probably 21. She's already done her diploma in ministry. I mean, we should be celebrating that. She got saved in this church. She came to church from, from not knowing Christ to knowing Christ and is now serving him. That's the kind of thing we want to celebrate. Um, and we have Chloe Warren as well. She's, she's uh, another great leader in our church. We want to celebrate these people and uh, being encouraging them in the work that they do. Um, it looks, uh, you know, I must admit right now we've, we've had a, uh, a t 
tough year in that youth zone. I don't want to pretend that it's not been like that, but we need to say, Jesus, you need to open uh, the, the, the things that are blocking that in our church and um, releasing that. Because if, you, if, if we, I don't know how we analyze it, but you go from like 35 to 5 in the course of a few months, there's something going on. Something going on in the spiritual that uh, we need to be aware of and we need to take a hold of. So from tonight, I'm going to ask you if you'll partner with us and be praying for our youth group. Be sowing into our youth group. Um, get alongside Pastor Josh, Pastor Claire, Chloe Warren, and just encourage them, saying, hey, every Sunday night, rain, rain hail, or shine, they're here, giving their lives for these youth. Um, uh, preparing messages. Um, doing a great, they do an amazing program. And, and it's not by fluke. They, they plan it. They organize it. They're, they're, they're good at what they do. But somehow the enemy has has uh, uh, torn the heart out of our future uh, at the moment with, the, with that youth area. So I want to, want to encourage you, get behind them, get with it, and let's see the turnaround taking place. So anyhow, I better preach, I suppose. You didn't hear to come here to hear all that. Um, but uh, in Exodus, there's a, um, an explanation that God gives Moses for building a place to worship the Lord. They called it the, the tabernacle. And um, Moses received the details while up on Mount Sinai. And this is the thing, that there's so many things in this story, I'm not going to go into it all, but I think it's totally, totally amazing that while Moses is on the mountaintop with God and getting this ama uh, amazing revelations, the people down the bottom of the mountain are, are, are building a golden calf, an idol that's not God at all. I just find that just you know, a side point to this story. But when we get back to what God was showing Moses, every point about this place that, that God was telling Moses to build um, it was a representation of a place of worship with its origins in heaven. So it became a place where all the treasures of Israel would be kept. It was the, the, like the place where everything valuable for the nation was was placed in this tabernacle and um, it was it was intricate it was detailed and full of exquisite artwork and exquisite gifts so um, Exodus 25 verse 8 and 9 this is where God speaks to Moses he says have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them you must build the tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So I've got, some, I've got three propositions for you tonight. The first one, first proposition, is Jesus desires to live among people in a holy sanctuary called the church. So we are a holy sanctuary. It's a church. And Jesus has designed it so that people can experience the goodness and the presence of God on earth. It's a sanctuary called the church. The, the tabernacle is a picture of what the sanctuary could look like. And uh, we, are, we are the exquisite treasure in the temple. You are. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are an exquisite treasure in the temple. And I want us to look at just one part of that tonight a little more closely. 
but, it, but it, it's good. So we are the exquisite treasure in the temple. Alicia, you're an exquisite treasure. So Jesus described the kingdom of God to be like a hidden treasure. Uh, you know the story in Matthew 13, 44, it says the kingdom of God is like, I, I think we really need to take notice of when Jesus said the, says the kingdom of heaven is like whatever. He says it many times. But he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man searching for treasure. And I've often heard it preach, and, and you would have heard me preach it the way I'm preaching today, but I've often heard it preach over many, many years of people saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man found in the field, and he went and sold everything to get the treasure. And I say, so, okay, especially youth, you'd say at the youth camp, all you young people, you sell your car, sell your records, sell all your stuff, uh, and, and give it all up for God, and then, then you'll have treasure in heaven. And, and that's an interpretation. We could apply it, but I believe the intention Jesus had was the kingdom of heaven is like, that means heaven, what comes from heaven is like a man searching for treasure. And when he found the treasure, he bankrupted himself so that he could gain the treasure. The treasure, ladies and gentlemen, is you. And when Jesus discovered you, he says, I'm going to give up everything that I have in heaven so that I can purchase Mark Ed. Or Liz. And so we switch it around and we say we are, the recept we, are, we are the treasure that God paid the highest price to gain. And, so, and, we, and, and what God has in mind is that his tabernacle, his temple, the place of worship, the church is filled with that exquisite treasure that he paid the highest price to gain. Let's get back to Exodus 31 verse 1 to 5. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, so he's saying, build me this uh, amazing place. Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel. He's an important person in this story. Bezalel, Bezalel of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And you know something? I'll stop, stop right there. We need to build a church, a tabernacle that is filled with people that have the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of the Holy Ghost working through us and in us and, and, and around us, then, then we are not going to be effective in the next part of our church's history. So it says, look, I've, given, uh, I've specifically chosen Bezalel of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. I have a question for you today. So here's Bezalel. That man, God's gifted him with wisdom, abilities, amazing things. But we could easily just ask ourselves right now, well, why didn't God just build this thing himself? Why doesn't God just build the tabernacle? He could create the world in a moment. Surely he could, he could do it. But God puts skill into people and his joy, his greatest joy is roused when he sees us use that for building his house and for the purpose, his purpose in the earth among people. So Bezalel, the master craftsman, built everything according to the pattern God gave to Moses. And there are things that, that God can do and there are things that God says, I want you to do. And God gets incredible joy out of watching you bring the craft and the skill and the wisdom that you have like a penny tonight leading us in worship. 
Just a beautiful thing. Just a beautiful uh, moment of, of uh, the God's joy and pleasure saying, well done. And you might be gifted to, to spend time with young people. You might be gifted to, to love older people. Whatever it is that your gift is or to love playing with, with lights and dials and things like that. But whatever that is, God says, I, I love it when I see you doing what I created you to be. So my second proposition is Jesus wants people to build something for him. Jesus wants people to build something for him. So we can't say, okay, God, here, here I am. You did it all for me. God says, no, 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 that's not how it works. I gave you life so that you could give me that life because that brings me joy. That brings me gladness. And in this holy construction, he has a plan for the church. Jesus, as he walked along the shores of Galilee, and he called fishermen like Peter and Simon. Oh, Simon, Simon was his name. Changed it to Peter. Simon and his brothers. And he calls out to them. He says, follow me. Just as Jesus did that in those days, he's inviting you to a greater level of relationship. A greater level of walking closer to him. Matthew 4 verse 19, Jesus walked along the shores of Galilee. He called out to these guys, washing nets and mending nets and and, and doing their fishing business. And he says, come follow me. Don't wait until you've got nothing to do before you answer the call of God. A lot of people are saying, well, I'll wait until I retire. I'll wait until I've got $100,000 in the bank. I'll wait until, I'll wait until, I'll wait until. Peter was there working, fully occupied in business, the family business. And Jesus said, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And Jesus is not waiting for you to be to be, um, uh, you know, inactive, unemployed before he wants to use you. And his call never comes at a convenient time. Ask me about it later and I'll tell you how inconvenient it can be. But I want to apply this tonight, uh, some things from Bezalel that we can apply to our lives. Exodus 35, verse 35. It says, the Lord, is, the Lord has given them, this is him and his assistant, special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, um, in fine linen cloth, and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. So right across the church, there are people just like that, who God has gifted, the, the Bezalel kind of person that, that I believe is in every single one of us. The Lord has given them special skills. And it says as engravers, designers, embroiders, um, and to be able to use all kinds of materials. Now Exodus 28 verse 1 to 5, it says, Moses um, instructed them to make sacred garments for the priests to wear. It's also, I'm just going to focus on this one aspect that they were told to build. They were told to build all kinds of furnishings, uh, the, the, the furniture in the place, the, even the, the, the poles and the, 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 the coverings and all those kind of things. They were, they were building it all, but I just want to focus on one little aspect, and that is the priestly garment that they were told to build or to make. Um, so my third proposition, Jesus will work. He will work us into a sacred garment to minister in his name. 
And this is the exciting part because it's, uh, I want to put some things to you today that I hope will really inspire you. Uh, so where we are, Exodus 39, verse, starting at verse 2. Bezalel made the ephod of finely woven linen. The ephod was like a, a chest piece that was in two parts, had a chest piece and a back piece and fastened together by clamps at the top. It says, um, he made it of finely woven linen and embroidered it with gold and with blue, purple and scarlet thread. He made gold thread by hammering out thin sheets of gold. Just think of that. He hammered out thin sheets of gold and cutting, uh, cutting it into fine strands with great skill and care, he worked it into the fine linen and the blue, purple and scarlet thread. Now Jesus, as I said, you're the treasure. Remind someone next to you, you're the treasure. You are the treasure, you're the gold. Jesus takes you as a small measure of gold. And his desire is to, if you'll allow him, is to skillfully hammer you. Take you into a shape that can be embroidered into the ephod. Embroidered into the the chest piece of of, uh, ministry. So trust Jesus with a hammer and see how he will embroider you into the fabric of the church and into the ministry and into the call of God. You know, so the, the, you could be sitting here today and feeling a little bit spread thin. Maybe you've been hammered a little bit. Jesus is working you into the fabric of the church and into the fabric of your calling and the fabric of your ministry. See, Jesus is our goldsmith and we are the gold. His desire is that, that we become so entwined in the house of God it becomes us and we become it. So when you think of how they, they, they embroidered that gold or they weaved that gold into, the, into that garment, it means you can't get it out easily without destroying it all. And I want, to, I want you to get a picture of that. It's your, a, 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 a thread of gold in the house of God. A thread of gold all by itself is probably pretty well useless. But a thread of gold... Um, embroidered into the garment of the priestly robe is a beautiful thing and it's it's part of it. And God wants to uh, bring us to a place of understanding that, God, I can't just pick and choose this. I can't just come and go as I please. But Lord, I belong in this, in this garment that is used for priestly duties. And I'm interwoven in it because we have, the church has a priestly duty. One Heart Church has a priestly duty. The church global has a priestly duty. We have a priestly duty over those who we come into contact with, who who we can relate to uh, in the, the city of Port Lincoln and surrounding. We have a duty there to minister. So Jesus is our goldsmith and we are the gold. He wants us to be so entwined that to try and separate that will cause great damage. But that's a pattern. That's a picture God gives of the church is a priestly garment threaded together by skillful hands. Perhaps um, I might get Kimberly if you can come up and I'll call the others uh, a bit later. Exodus 39 verse 6. It says, They mounted two onyx stones. I don't know if that's how you say that right. They mounted two onyx stones in settings of gold filigree. The stones were engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, just as a seal is engraved. I want you to get that picture of a seal. You know, we used to stamp letters with a seal. 
and squash it into the, into the uh, uh, wax. See, he fastened these stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that the priest represents the people of Israel. And all this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, we've just looked at the, the, um, the gold that was entwined, that was embroidered. Now, I want us to take a moment at the engraved stones. See, the engraved stone has an identity etched into them. Had the tribes of Israel on each stone. That, that inscription, that engraving can't be removed. It's chiseled into the gemstone. It's marked permanently. See, the other point that engraving does, it creates a transferable image. So if you were to press the press clay or wax or any moldable material into it, you create a mirror image that carries the author's name and authority. What I want to put to you today, church, is in effect, the engraving is used to reproduce the image in others who press in. The others are moldable. And they're looking for someone who's been molded or chiseled or shaped by the hand of God. And when they get close to you, that image of God is transferable. That image of, of the King of Kings is transferable from you to others. A mere image, it carries the author's name and authority. So in effect, the engraving is used to reproduce the image in others who will press in. Jesus is the master engraver. He engraves you with his seal of his identity over your life. So engraving is slow and it's a painful process. It's painful for us as parts of us are chiseled away to create a seal of identity. We've got to trust Jesus with a chisel and he'll engrave a new identity of your life. Attach you to the garment of the church for leadership to reproduce and make disciples of others. That's what that signifies there. It's, a transfer, it's, it's transferable. It, it wasn't a mistake where they said uh, it, it's been uh, chiseled in, or what, what's the, the word, engraved in, like a seal. And a seal is all about transferring that seal into something that is moldable, that carries authority. And I want to tell you something, every single one of us has a responsibility of somebody in our life who we need to disciple, who we need to help up, who we need to carry along, who we need to minister to. See, the Christian faith is not about, oh, feed me, feed me, God, oh, you're doing all this stuff for me. Give me and do for me. That's immaturity. But where Jesus wants to call one heart church is into a place of maturity where we're saying, Jesus, I'm ministry now. Jesus, I'm serving now. I'm not the disciple. Yeah, we're always disciples, but, but I will be a discipler. I'll be a healer. I'll be a helper. I'll be a server. 
So perhaps we have some time where we can just let the Lord speak to us today. Because Jesus, I'll go through those propositions again to you. Jesus desires to live among people in a holy sanctuary called the church. That's Jesus' desire. He wants to live among people. And He wants to have a holy sanctuary. It's called the church. We are holy. We are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. We're called out of the world to be set free. And then we're called back into the world to set others free. Jesus wants people to build something for Him. And I think until we discover our part in building something, we're living far below the, the level that God has designed us to enjoy. He wants people to build something for Him. And Jesus will work us into a sacred garment to minister in His name. Could you stand with me tonight? And I'd love, if you would, I mean, I can't assume, can't assume in you, perhaps, you know, singers can come. <clears throat> but I know I can speak for me. That I want to trust Jesus with the hammer on the gold in my life. I want to trust Jesus with the hammer. It may not be comfortable. It may not be nice. But in the tapping of the hammer, he's creating something that he can thread. And we'll never know how far that thread can go until we submit ourselves to the hammer of the Lord. What's that look like? It's, it's letting Jesus reshape you. It's letting Jesus reframe you to put you into a, a, a shape that can fit into a pattern that He designed for you and your life. It's the best way to, to use what God has given you. Next step is to say, Jesus, I trust you with a chisel on the gemstones of my life. I trust you with a chisel, Lord. Engrave me in, with a permanent engraving that doesn't just change me, but all those who press in on me, all those who have need of me, all those who come close to me will bear a mark because of the, the engraved nature of your call in my spirit. when we submit ourselves to the process of being embroidered into the garment and engraved with a new spiritual identity, we're stepping into our part in the heavenly tabernacle that Jesus designed to be on earth. See, when we see the stories of the tabernacle, it, was not about, it wasn't all about for then, it's for now. It's relevant to us today so much wisdom and so much detail in the tabernacle that applies to the church. Can you just raise your hands with me today?
And in a sense, we just say, Jesus, I trust you with the, the hammer. It's not a hammer that crushes. It's not a hammer that breaks. It's a gentle hammer. It's a, a tapping hammer. It's a reshaping hammer. So right now, if you will, I'd love to pray for you, Lord. just want to pray over this part. Jesus, we pray over One Heart Church and every single person hearing this message today. We say, Jesus, I trust the work of your hammer in my life. I give you the gold, the treasure, the things that you placed in me and say, Jesus, you can reshape it. Lord, I give you access to those parts of my life and you reshape them for me. And I ask, Lord, that I may be threaded in embroidered into the priestly garment so that I can so that through my part the ministry to this city can happen the ministry to our nation can happen the ministry to the world can happen if you receive that today say amen we're going to go to the next part Jesus we trust you with the chisel on the gemstones that you've given us. Jesus, we just pray right now. We trust you with the chisel. Lord, you engrave, you engrave us with the name of Jesus. You engrave us with the with the tribes of Israel, so to speak. Lord, we just pray right now, Father, as you do, we give you access to take off those parts that, that won't be needed for that to happen. We say, Lord, have your way in our hearts. Have your way in those gemstones. And Lord, I pray today as we submit to that, as, as we get a new identity in who you are, that those who get close to us will also receive a mark. They'll also gain something of the identity of Christ that you've put in us will be transferred to them I pray for a spirit of evangelism on the church, I pray for people to have wisdom as they reach others I pray for a, a new outpouring of understanding in our hearts to reach the lost and Lord I pray that we'll find people every day all around us who are like clay or like wax that as we get, as they get close to us they, they come and have a need that they come to us with, I pray that whatever else happens, that they leave with a mark that they have been close to a child of God, engraved with a new spiritual identity. So, Father, we just pray. Lord, we trust you with the chisel, with your engraving chisel. Lord, have your way on the gemstones of our heart in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we don't want to just live in the shallows. We want to have a deeper relationship than just a casual acquaintance. Lord, we want to have a deeper devotion. And Lord, we want to be disciples that will follow, that will go, that will enjoy what it means to build in your tabernacle not just to build the tabernacle, to be part of it. So we thank you for that tonight. In 
Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just do want to say tonight, while the worship team lead us in some, some more worship, these nights are all about that. We don't want to rush through. But um, just want to say, if you desire just to have hands laid on you, you're thinking, hey, you know, something got me tonight. It might not have even been anything I said. God could be doing some other stuff in your heart. That's good. Then say, hey, I just need someone to lay hands on me. I need someone to pray with me. You can come here, sit along the front if you want, be comfortable, stand. But we are going to welcome you to come. And we love to pray with you. We love to stand with you. We love to believe with you. Maybe just agree with you that something different is coming, that something better is out there. And you're you're just saying, Jesus, yes, I'm ready. I want to go with that. So I think sometimes we just need to take that step and say, Jesus, I want you to complete the work in my heart tonight. I just need some, some prayer. So if that's you, why don't you come? And we'd love to pray for you tonight. Thanks.